To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. Any orders over $35 get you free shipping. Once again, $35 or more free shipping. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios. Happy Wednesday, everybody, or Thursday, depending upon when you're listening. Shout out to China. We'll talk about more about them later. Shout out to all my peeps over in podcast land in China who are somehow listening to me with all the crap that's going on lately. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, shout out to Blaze for the brand new monitor so I can look at my big dumb face uh, on the Twitch live stream. Not that I needed any more mirrors of myself. Uh, I have a imposter syndrome problem now anyways so now i get to look at myself in even more higher definition on a bigger screen but yeah so basically i got a bigger monitor anyway streaming live from the spare parts studios thank you all for listening watching and subscribing i am back for another week of mayhem episode 90 all by myself i got a shit ton of stuff all over my pages right now uh i want to jump into movies i got movie reviews some old some new and some really old and pointless so i'm gonna run by the joker new joker movie that just came out with joaquin phoenix i gotta keep an eye on my levels i don't want to f those up the new joker movie with joaquin phoenix i want to hit the Wayback machine and talk about kurt russell and uh with who, who else was in that movie oh i can't remember her name oh kim cattrall kim cattrall was in that in that shit show uh um, also known as Big Trouble in Little China. We'll dive into that also. I'll give that a solid review for what it's worth. And, of course, my swan song for Marvel Comics, Spider-Man Far From Home. So I'll jump into those reviews. I also have a new coffee kicking it right over here. I want to give a brief review on that, give my thoughts on it, and how long it's going to stay in the, in the studio. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to talk... I want to talk also about... I want to get into the Joker movie more in depth because there's a lot more to it uh, based on it's not so much the plot, the plot, but the environment that the plot took place in. It's a little bit more realistic than you may think or may under or may understand if you haven't done your history on uh, 1970s New York City. It was pretty damn accurate. Uh, and then also, I want to talk about, I have some articles, uh, one about South Park and their latest episode getting banned in China. I want to talk about what the idiots in Portland, Oregon are doing again with the bathrooms, and maybe jump dump on some lighter fare regarding painting zebra stripes on cattle to discourage flies from biting them. But I want to start off with some hard-hitting shit. I want to talk about strawberry smoothie Twizzlers. Now, I like to try new things. Uh... You know, when it comes to food, drinks, dropping digits, the idea of a Twizzler is pretty simple. It's chewy, it's waxy, it's got a light strawberry flavor to it. It's hollow on the inside, so if you want to, uh, ha- if you want to eat your straw after having your margarita or whatever you dip it in, you can literally take a Twizzler, bite the two ends, bite one end off, bite the end there off, and then you turn it right into a straw. That's that solves the entire straw crisis. 
And you can actually eat an entire package of Twizzlers and not even feel it. Yet, it is a it is a legit candy. It's been around forever. It's got tons of carbs and tons of sugars, and some people hate them. I personally love them. They're one of my favorite snacks for going to the movies. Well, sneaking them into the movies. However, Twizzlers and licorice in general has gone over many modifications, facelifts, new flavors, new bite size, you know, over the years and the decades. And for the most part, some of them, everything is basically, I mean, everything's a chewable candy, basically. That's what Twizzlers is considered. It's a chewable candy. But as far as its flavor goes, they had the Twizzler pull and peel. They had the uh, triple flavored Twizzler. They have the old school black licorice Twizzler. You have to be really old world. I, I don't know how popular black licorice Twizzlers are. I think that's I think they just sit on the shelf and that's pretty much it. So um, unless you enjoy drinking your Sambuca or your Uzo or your Galliano or any of your other black licorice drinks from a straw, in which case you can go and get black licorice Twizzlers, I think they just sit on the shelf because it's pure sugar and they're going to last forever. They'll probably outlast cockroaches uh, from a nuclear apocalypse. Nuclear. And that's it. I don't think anybody buys them. So, but the thing is, hold on, pouring coffee. The thing is, though, I when it, when it comes down to it, I am a little old school with my Twizzlers. I do enjoy the Twizzler pull and peels. However, they are a little, they're girth. I said girth. Their girth is a little, it, it's a tad thicker because you have to, you do peel it. You literally take one little tiny piece of licorice off of it. It's the same length as the regular Twizzler. You can go check it out. Go on Google or Bing or DuckDuckGo, a picture of Twizzler pulling peels. Now, they're tasty, but for the most part, the classic strawberry Twizzler, it's like the Charleston Chew. It's like the, it's like the Snickers bar. It's not going anywhere. They're not going to change it. So what they try to do was fill it. And they had these flavors. One was called strawberry smoothie, and it's it's a play off of the the Oreo filled churro. If you don't know what a churro is, a churro is basically like a it's a fried pastry that you generally find down in Southern California or Mexico, and it a churro is crunchy, sweet, cinnamony, and it goes amazing with. Uh, Cubano coffee, and you know me when it comes to my Cubano coffee, I am insane for it, and a churro goes perfectly. It's the perfect alternative to, say, a morning Danish or a um, a morning this, that, and the other thing. There are certain morning pastries, like a Drake's coffee cake, that is one of the ultimate Jew pastries for morning coffee, without a doubt, Okay. You got full frizzies in your hair and the Torah at your side, a Drake's coffee cake is a way to go. Or a strawberry knish. But you got to have that coffee alongside of it to put it all together because the bitterness of the coffee and the ultra sweetness of the co- of the cake that you're having really do mix well together. But when you sprinkle a little cinnamon on there, you suddenly get the you you get a whole different impression of what how how joyful a morning coffee can be with that sh- with that sugar and cinnamon. So try to follow me along. If you've never had a Drake's coffee cake, it really 
if you're a coffee fanatic, Drake's Coffee Cake is the way to go. But however, if you do, if you you know hail from a little farther south, and you instead of the cakey taste or the cakey texture, excuse me, the better way to go is something called a churro. A churro is a little crunchier. Unlike a donut that you can dip in your coffee, a churro has got a crunchier taste, and you can dip that in your coffee, and you still get that cinnamon and sugar blend, but you still get this, like I said, you still get the cinnamon and sugar, but you get a little crunchier take on it. Now, I'm, I'm obviously going off uh, uh, off the rails here with my, com- my thoughts here, but I'll get back to it. Churro is the crunchier version of the morning pastry, cinnamon and sugar, boom, done. However... I've been seeing lately that since any pastry with a fucking hole in it, they're deciding to fill it with stuff. Boston, uh, the do- now the donut, they got the Boston cream donut. Great. The donut, you got the jelly cream donut. The churro, they're filling it with Oreo cream, chocolate cream, all kinds of other things. So you're getting the creamy with the crunchy. All right, fine. But I think you're starting to pollute the delicate simplicity that is a churro a churro is designed to dip in your coffee whether it's cream or black and you're on your way not have all that extra filled drool dripping into your coffee making a mess of a place because with a churro it's great you dip in your coffee you drink you you eat it you drink your coffee you wipe the one hand the one hand that you used to eat your churro and then you're on your way However, if you got all this goo falling out of it, like you've got fucking, I don't know, some type of STD, then there's an issue there. Now you've got this stuff dripping on, maybe you're in dress clothes and you're on your way to work or you're going to church or you're, you know, whatever. But then you've got this drippy stuff and it's in your coffee and it's and when you go to take a bite, it softens the churro, which drops it on your lap. And then, then it, then that's it. Game over. Game over. Go back to bed, take off all your clothes, go back to bed, talk to you in eight hours. The day's over. So the the simplicity, the delicate simplicity of just a churro by itself is great. However, the strawberry smoothie filled Twizzler was something I was like, let me take a chance. Maybe they really have something going here. And within the first bite, because generally I, as soon as the previews start, I'm ripping open my packet of whatever I have, whether it's Raisinets, which is a classic go-to, Snowcaps, or um, yeah, anything that if the movie gets tense, my cheeks don't clamp and like tighten up and then I end up biting my lip or the side of my mouth or my tongue or something because that ruins my day and that'll ruin my movie too. So, but a strawberry, but a Twizzler, Twizzler's pretty easy. You chew right through it. It's great. But then they filled it with this, it felt cheap. Strawberry smoothie flavored, but for the most part, it just tasted like a shitload of sugar cream. And I don't mean like a, a, like a Twinkie. A Twinkie has a, a, a real subtle cream to it. It doesn't taste cheap, even though it really is. But not even close. The filling of the, stra- of the, Twizzler, of the strawberry smoothie Twizzler is no good. It's a bad idea, and not just I don't like it. I think they should take it off the market altogether. So please, for the love of God, Twizzlers by themselves with nothing in them. You want to keep the pull and peel around? Okay, fine. But you do have to, uh, in my opinion, keep the original flavor, the strawberry-flavored Twizzler, and try to perfect that pull and peel. 
Cold Peel's fine because you get a little bit more Twizzler per Twizzler. And, but the classic Twizzler, you can't go wrong. Every time they change the flavor of the Twizzler, the texture of the Twizzler gets harder and there's too much aftertaste. There's this lemony scent. It just, it doesn't, it's too starbursty. You, you don't need to be filling everything with something else. There's already enough sugar, enough garbage. The thing is, is you could, you could eat a whole package of Twizzlers, but having maybe half of one of these strawberry smoothie-filled Twizzlers, it's not good. It's not good at all. Uh, and it will hurt your stomach. So my suggestion, one out of five stars, stay away from any Twizzler that's filled with something. Stick to the originals. That's what they're good at. Mm. Now the movie Joker, I'm going to jump right into it because I'm not going to really talk about the plot so much, at least, well, not at the beginning anyways. It's been a while since I've seen a movie that blew me away as far as, um, in my opinion, it didn't seem like it was difficult to shoot. There wasn't any real, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't any aerial shots. None whatsoever. It was all within the, the guts of Gotham. It did take place in Gotham, so they did keep that. Uh, which is, But they put it in the setting of late 70s New York City. Now, my father used to tell me stories about New York in the late 1970s. And it was... And if you watched movies like... Uh, Live, like 007 win Roger Moore... His first role as as James Bond, they, he did a uh, live and let die. And if you watch the beginning of it, it shows late 1970s Harlem. Harlem was essentially burnt to the ground, and not in the movie, but in real life. It literally it was on fire because there was the late there was the blackouts. There was the New York City blackout. There was riots. There was racial. They were integrating. Uh, there was racial. It was just a fucking mess. Racial tensions, cops, uh, it, was incra- it was crazy. And there was gangs everywhere. everywhere. Everybody had a gang. There was a pamphlet, a leaflet going around saying, welcome to Fear City. New York City was, a, was worse than a dump. It was one of the most murderous, dangerous, unappealing cities in the late 1970s. You would not travel to Brooklyn. You would not travel to the Bronx. You wouldn't. They said stay out of those of those boroughs. Whereas now the Brooklyn is filled with you know two thousand dollar a month freaking apartments, two you know two thousand dollar a month, three thousand dollar a month studio apartments, and hipsters and coffee shops and everything. Back then you don't go there. Bedford Stuyvesant, Dumbo. You didn't. You didn't. Dumbo's another town there. You don't. You just don't go there. And Manhattan. After 6 p.m., get off the streets. The The murder rate went from like between 5 and 1,000. It doubled. It tripled. The murder rate tripled. It went to like 2,000 homicides in like 1977, 1978. It was, it was, and there was, back then there were budget cuts in the city. So the trap, there were, all the unions were on strike. So your, your, your trash wasn't getting picked up. And New York City pumps out a lot of garbage on the side of the street. So the, the, the garbage men were on strike. The city was laying off union workers and laying off, you know, public staff, mental health, stuff like that, just kicking them to the curb. 
So it was a nightmare. And when the lights would go out, it's one thing if the lights were out at night after 6 o'clock. It's another thing if the lights are out all day. People went rampant. It was chaos. It was war. There were it was riots. It was just insane. Now I, I like there's some you can see remnants of it in some movies. Like for example, Live and Let Die. You see the beginning where Harlem is literally it's just ash. The movie Taxi Driver with Robert De Niro, late 1970s New York. Dog Day Afternoon with Al Pacino. You see a lot of the racial and tension in that town between the cops. A a situation called Attica had just taken place. So these situations were were very relatable as far as what my father told me about because he was a riot cop in the uh, late 60s, early 70s in New York. He left due to an injury in the late 70s and bolted out of town. But everything that he expressed to me through these stories, and yeah, all dads exaggerate, but in these documentaries that I've watched, one of them was called Rubble Kings. That's a great documentary you need to check out about all the gangs and how they originally were just out out each, out each other's throats the entire time. And then in the, late, in the early 80s, they started to get together and come together over music. You know, whether it was hardcore punk or rap music or whatever, and people and people started to fall in love with them with with the, with their neighbors and with the city again. It took a long time to turn that city around. Believe me, the eighties were no picnic either. But there was music and there was comedy. You know, Dangerfields was open at this time. Uh, Webster Hall was open. Uh, CBGBs, I think, was open. So there was starting to, there was starting to come a personality to the town, but. Times Square was a shithole. Times Square was fucking, you know, you could buy, you just, you'd get mugged and murdered in Times Square. Okay? It was. It was it was horrible. It was a disgusting area of town. You know? Now it's a friggin', now it's all LED lights and fucking tourism and, and an olive garden right in the middle where the ball drops. It's completely different. But the city was tearing itself to pieces. And this was actually right around the time that, like I said, Rubble Kings took place and all these movies were taking place. My father was on scene. He was doing a detail when The French Connection was being filmed. Uh, Gene Hackman was in that. But how the Joker plays in all this, it takes place right when this situation is happening, when the racial and the emotional tension of the city of the rich versus the poor was taking place. And it, it peaked... So the Joker ties in perfectly with this timeline. Perfectly. And it presents the catalyst for the city tearing itself apart. But that moment in time, in the late 1970s, people were, everybody, all the news outlets were talking about how this Joker movie was a warning or it was a dangerous movie for People who are, quote, incels, you know, involuntary celibates, basically dudes who can't get laid. But that's not correct, okay? It's a look at emotional, being left behind, being abandoned, being made fun of, uh, uh, mental health. 
It has a look at real world problems, but it's not a look at what might happen. It's a reminder of what has already happened. It this movie is an example, a reminder of what the set of what New York Gotham was like in the late seventies. It was displayed beautifully in the in the madness that takes place towards the end of this film. So and it also this movie it's rated R, it's brutal, it's it's violent, it, it slowly tiptoes into chaos towards the end because it's an origin story. And it's also a middle finger to any of the current comic book movies that are out there. It's it it really does play to the point where because it's not there's no magic to this movie, there's no sci-fi to this movie, there's no comic book action to this movie. This is an actual drama about somebody who completely goes insane. That's what this movie is. This is this movie is the equivalent to something like American Psycho, only in the lot well, just as realistic. I almost lost my place. But yeah, it, it is. It is. I wanted to make it really known that this movie is a potential to be an Oscar winner. And the idea of being in New York, like I you could go back and look at episode one hundred. Uh, where I was in New York City, it was a drag. Day in, like the example of, you go to New York, it's very easy for you to fail. People fail in New York City. Their dreams die in New York City all the time. That's and and for people who can't get out of their own way, day in and day out, looking for a job, just lost a job, can't afford to pay rent, get food find love, opportunity, chasing dreams, getting denied, day in and day out, the same trash, the same bullshit, the same shitty apartment, the same crappy car that gets getting keeps getting the same fucking tickets because there's no fucking parking any day except for Sunday in New York. And especially in New York on Sundays as well because Sunday there's free parking. So everybody parks in the street. So now you got nowhere left to park. And you got to deal with that shit day in and day out. So you really can't afford to make mistakes, have attachments, and you just got to grind through it every day, burning more calories than you can afford. So you spend those crucial couple years, two, sometimes five, maybe 10 in New York, just grinding away for a career or the opportunity or that big break. And for some of these people, and a perfect example is this Joker movie, some people, they started off with a shitty hand and in the late 70s, never given a break. No breaks. Just more bullshit. And the old New York would show, would, when somebody said, I was from New York, it showed people how tough you were, how resilient you were. You could take anything. A city that never slept, slept. A person who never gave up. Now it's like, it's it's not that at all. It really isn't. For somebody who was going there for a few days to film a crappy vlog like I was, then it was a struggle because one little mistake can cost you too much in cab fare, too much in eating at a place that you can't uh, that you that you don't like. You you oversleep by twenty minutes, your car gets towed, and then you get a ticket on top of the tow fee. And this happened all to me within thirty six hours. So, this movie shines a light perfectly on that insanity that can 
quickly build in a matter of days, let alone in the, in this in the Joker's point of view, decades. So it displays New York or Gotham like it's it's awesome. It is absolutely awesome. Now it's I absolutely recommend this for anybody who can handle a hard R-rated movie. You know, Joaquin Phoenix, this role, I don't know if it was made for him or not, but he played it perfectly. He did a fantastic job. And this movie gets all the stars from me because I think it's an Oscar contender. Now, there's some movies I haven't seen out there yet, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I haven't seen that movie yet, okay? But I will go check it out. But as far as Oscar contenders, this may be the first comic book-based movie or spinoff of a comic book to be deserving of Best Picture. Now, is the Academy going to run with that? Who knows nowadays? They're so fucking woke, they can't get out of their own way. And the critics only gave it like in the 60s, but the audience was overwhelmingly in favor of this movie. So Rotten Tomatoes screws the pooch again, and the audience absolutely loves it. The Joker made it, it laughed all the way to the bank. $100 million in its first weekend. You know, expanded weekend. You know, with tag on Monday and maybe Tuesday, and then boom, it's over a hundred million dollars. There you go. And oddly enough, it made like another two hundred million overseas, and hasn't jumped into China yet. But it was a great movie, and I'm glad I jumped on board of it really quickly. As far as going to see it, I had a little extra time, and I ran right through it. I was going to review uh, other movies in front of it, but I wanted to jump on this because there's just, there was just so much to it. There was so much history that my father t- talked to me about. Um, how did they get out of that? That nightmare that was 1970s New York. It was pure. It was a murder capital. It was horrible. The stats were there. 2,000 people in one year. Cops were getting shot. Every ethnicity was getting shot. Rapes, murders. It was nuts. Gang violence through the roof. So how did they get out of it? Well, community started to come together. A lot of political movement. Business development. Uh... They cranked up the amount of money that they put into tourism. They came up with the slogan, I heart New York, with the little heart symbol. So I love New York. That um, little symbol changed the, you know, every, changed the way people were looking at New York and as far as wanting to visit it. And since they were pumping so much money into tourism, they were getting so much back. And plus you have all, in basically making the outer boroughs worth visiting. And then you had New York State also to tap onto. There was just a lot going for it. They had to. It was going to take a long time, a lot of money, and a lot of work, and a lot of cleaning up those streets. And the the, the thing with New York that I find interesting, I've always found interesting, is it's always evolving. It's always working on itself. Now, granted, there's a lot about New York today that I don't like, okay? the you know The bullshit parking, the rules, the regulations of it. And this was a town for the longest time that had no rules. There were no rules. It was the freaking Wild West, only in the East. That's the one thing I don't like about it. But as far as walking a beat in New York, you can still do it. You can still do it. You can walk from Battery Park all the way up to Rockefeller. You know, if you got the feet for it. You may may not. But you can still do it. There's a lot of things you can still go and do. Uh, Comedy, regardless of the progressive movement is alive and well in New York City because you got guys like Andrew Schultz, Tim Dillon just left, but you still have a lot of those New York-based comics which are killing it now. You can see them all over YouTube. So, And 
Great food still in New York. Absolutely. Great food. That hasn't missed either. You can go down to the you can go down to the village, the East Village, and get amazing food. And of course, just down the street, you got all kinds of comedy clubs. You know, you got Greenwich Village Comedy Club, you got the stand, you got Gotham, you have uh, the comedy cellar, you got Caroline's. There's tons of com- there's tons of place to see good comedy. Underground comedy. Um Hmm. I actually just lost connection on my Oh shit. That's what happened. So I just lost connection on both of my on both of my friggin' live streams. So I'm gonna pause this and I'll be right back once the live streams have been corrected. Alright, we're back. <laughs> you know, shit happens, man, especially in the spare parts studios. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm going to kind of, I'm going to veer off course with the, uh, with the New York stuff because I was just kind of blabbing away. I don't know. I was, I was in my inner thoughts, but it's amazing when your father tells you something and it was actually true. It wasn't bullshit. Like the way he, the way he described New York back in the late seventies was an actual real thing. And the fact that the Joker portrayed that environment so damn well. So, uh, highly appreciative of that. Let me, uh, up the amperage here. There we go. Okay. So, yeah, Joker, five stars. Go see it. It's freaking awesome. I loved it. Uh, strawberry filled smoothie, strawberry smoothie filled Twizzlers, one out of five stars. Disgusting. Do not purchase them before sneaking into a movie theater. Don't even waste your time. All right. So I got another coffee over here. You know, this is definitely uh, this is definitely Coffeeville. And uh, if you guys have never heard of Jamaican Blue Mountain uh, coffee, it's some of the best coffee that you can buy. Uh smoothness flavor boldness whatever whatever words you like to make with your face when it comes to uh your coffee preferences so this blend is a company called cameron's and let me grab them real quick oh jesus christ let's see this is cameron specialty coffee ground coffee jamaica blue mountain blend full bodied and complex medium dark roast costs like nine ten bucks uh now it's a 100 you know 100 specialty grade arabica coffee and top 10% of the beans in the world, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And this time I gave, I've been drinking it for the past mm, two, three days. And today I'm drinking it out of the pour over instead of the French press. Mm. It doesn't say much about it on the blend, on, on the actual bag. But now this blend in particular, it's not harsh. It has a great scent to it. So when you smell the bag, it's like, ooh, you know, you get in the mood to have a, a nice cup of coffee. Uh, as far as its flavor goes, it's pretty mild, actually. Like, I was hoping for something more robust, uh, a full-bodied, like, nutty taste to it. And I'm not really getting that from this coffee. Now, maybe it's a little better with cream or something like that. But when I drink a coffee like that, like a Jamaica Blue Mountain Blend, okay, I want all the notes. Because it's one of the most expensive coffees you can buy. So overall, I'm kind of underwhelmed. Actually, I'm very underwhelmed. I've gotten, I get more notes, more flavor from local from local blends. And this one tastes about the same as the one that I had, uh, Woodshed Roast or whatever from last week. It tastes about the same. So, I, I mean, I is it a drinkable coffee? Yeah, it's drinkable. 
I mean, it tastes fine, but I'm not getting a lot out of it. So, and I know at this point, I've probably burned my freaking uh, taste buds to a crisp. So, I give it maybe three stars because I have to because I'm biased with my coffee. I like a full-bodied dark roast, all right? I like the taste of freaking burnt charcoal. Uh, but it doesn't, but I'm not going to give it any more than that. I think if you drink, if you were a coffee drinker, you'd enjoy it. You'd like it. But for me, I need something more. So if you want to check out, you can go to Cameron. Let's see. This is a shake a pea, Minnesota Cameron's coffee. They have like a website on here or anything like that. Didn't even, oh, here it is. Visit Cameron's coffee.com. C A M E R O N S coffee.com. Cameron's coffee.com. And then, of course, as far as how to brew it and stuff like that, it's sustainably sourced, handcrafted, small batch roast, and all those big, you know, all those hipster words. I mean, it smells amazing. Uh, But I don't think I'm getting as much as I wanted to out of it. But, I mean, if you're into those types of blends, you might as well, you know, give it a shot, see what you think. Costs about like nine, ten bucks out of the local grocery store. What I really need to get to is I need to try Black Rifle Coffee and Laird Hamilton's Coffee. Those are two coffees I have to get back. I have to get into this household and try those out and give a full review on them. So there's that. Two other movies I checked out. Um, I checked out uh, the as far as comic book movies go. I did check out Spider-Man Far From Home because I figured that was kind of the period at the end of the Marvel comic universe sentence for me. Because all it was was pretty much a swan song to the Avengers Endgame. That's all it was, is it basically just played off of the events that happened in Avengers Endgame. Everything after that, though, is just movies I'm not even going to really waste my time with. I'm The Avengers Endgame is, was a movie I'm glad it played out the way it did, because it means I don't have to watch another Marvel comic movie ever again. And I figured watching Spider-Man Far From Home wouldn't hurt that thought. And indeed, I was right. So watching this, uh, it's the same plot line as far as what you'd expect. You know, Peter Parker, played by Tom Holland, uh, you know, has a villain, blah, blah, blah. They go through the motions. It was kind of kiddish. I did enjoy it overall. It was a little lighter than I wanted it to be. Uh, Some of the scenes just didn't work for me. But I'm glad, you know, there was the romance part that you were hoping for was there. Jake Gyllenhaal was as awesome as usual. And... A beautiful gentleman, as I admit. And it all worked out as far as a Marvel comic movie pretty much playing it safe so that they could kind of move along with the next phase of the Marvel comic movies, which they got a billion of them coming up, and they got to figure out how the fuck they're going to get people to actually like Captain Marvel, which is good luck with that. Um, and also the whole issue with Sony, uh, Sony basically telling Marvel to go fuck themselves for like a solid two weeks before Tom Holland called them up and said, guys, guys, come on, somebody's got to pay me. So they figured that out. And now they're going to finally have another Marvel comic movie, another Spider-Man movie down the road. But in the meantime, they played it safe with this. And for the most part, it moved along quite nicely. It didn't seem overly long. They did what they needed to do. They used um, the death of Iron Man a ton in this movie because they expected Spider-Man to be the flagship of the Marvel comic team, the Avengers. So they used that a lot. But I gotta say, Marissa Tomei still looks awesome. She's like, what, 80 years old now? But she's fucking gorgeous. So yeah, there's that. But overall, 
it's a, what I expected. It's a little bit lighter than I wanted it to. I wanted it to have more oomph than the original Spider-Man, which was what? I don't remember what the hell the name of the movie was. That's all right. I gave it three stars. It's a solid flick. If you want a light movie, fun for the kids, that you don't have to really follow the plot afterwards. Like There's all those post-credits scenes for Spider-Man or any of the Marvel movies. This one, there's really no big deal. You don't have to follow it beyond that. But it was a good flick. I enjoyed it. Tom Holland's a great Spider-Man. And uh, since we have like 82 Spider-Mans already in the tank from d- several different production teams, I figured this is a good one to end on. And a tip of the hat to uh, Marvel Comics. And that's it. And now, I'm, now I think I'm officially done with the MCU. I'm officially done. I hope. I hope. So, in the meantime, who the hell is sending me messages? And my big dumb face in the live stream. Okay. Now, everybody has those action movies that they watched as they were a kid when they were a kid. Girls, I don't know what you guys watched. You watched some eighties rom com shit like fucking Sixteen Candles or Saint Elmo's Fire, something like that. So, but dudes, we got our action movies. We watched The Punisher, or we watched He Man, Master of the Universe, or Terminator, or Cobra. Some of you watched a movie called Big Trouble in Little China, uh, a late 80s uh, action sci-fi fantasy movie starring Kurt Russell and Kim Cattrall and a bunch of Asian dudes I've never heard of. This movie takes place in, I think, New York or something to that effect in the big city, and some girls get kidnapped, and some of them are in a news reporter, Kim Cattrall, hooks up with this movie. Okay. I don't know what the fuck to think of this movie. This movie's a mess from the very, very beginning, okay? He's a loner. He drives a truck. He talks to himself on the radio in the mornings. He's, he, he, he looks like shit. He eats like shit. He doesn't, he just looks like he doesn't shower or shave. It's just grimy. And then one of the girls gets kidnapped by this, this mystical squad that lives underneath so they can sacrifice her so the wizard can get young again or some shit. And it just, it's a terrible movie. Now, is it as incoherent as Justice League? Eh, not not on the level that you were hoping Justice League to be. Because Justice League was such a huge, huge disappointment and just overall pile of shit. Whereas Big Trouble in Little China was maybe fun for like a six-year-old to watch. But for the most part, it's not a good movie. I hate to say it, but Big Trouble in Little China... It's a bad movie, okay? It's a bad movie. I don't know why Kurt Russell did it. I'm sure... I'd love to ask him. I don't expect to meet him anytime soon. Kim Cattrall was a horrible actress in the movie. I don't think she's a bad actress. I just think she was bad in this movie. But then again, I'm sure the writing was shit too. I don't know who directed it, and I don't even care to fucking look. Thankfully, this movie wasn't that long. I did, But I gotta admit, I didn't like it from the very beginning. I stuck through it, just so I can complain about it. Please, if anybody tells me that Big Trouble in Little China was an awesome movie, shut the fuck up. Big Trouble in Little China is a stupid movie. It makes no sense. There's there's really not a lot of enjoyable action in it. It's not funny. The acting's terrible. And it's not as good as all the other action movies that came out in the 80s. Lethal Weapon, Cobra, Die Hard. 
I mean, plus you had the Rambo movies and the Rocky movies. Big Trouble in Little China is not any good. I mean, even if you compare Big Trouble in Little China to The Last Starfighter, Last Starfighter kicks the shit out of Big Trouble in Little China. And Last Starfighter, terrible special effects, although probably, no, terrible special effects, cheesy acting, way off the charts as far as fantasy goes. But overall, a better movie and a more a more enjoyable movie where you were rooting for the main characters. But Big Trouble, in Little, Big Trouble in Little China, the only thing I was rooting for was the credits. And thankfully, they came. And that's what got a standing ovation, was the credits. Big Trouble in Little China, two out of five stars. We're done with that movie. Thankfully, i finally seen it. And I'll never have to see it again. I'm sorry to all those people that messaged me telling me that's the movie I enjoyed when I was a kid. I love that movie. Sending me gifts of the random scenes in the movie. Um, nah, it sucks. I'm sorry. It, it's just it's just a bad movie. I'm, I'm sorry. Anyways, moving on. I want to get into, since we talked about the Joker, which gets five stars, Strawberry Smoothie Filled Twizzlers, which gets one stars, Spider-Man Far From Home, which gets three out of five stars, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, which gets two out of five stars, uh, Cameron's Jamaican Blue Mountain Blend Roast Coffee, getting three out of five stars. Now we're going to jump into some articles. It's a little, it's a crazy movie. I just got my flu shot today, so I'm, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and the Joker ha- still has me thinking, like, I want to see it again. So, and I had, it's very in depth as far as I really th- was trying to think hard about all the things that my father told me about the time when he was a cop there and the current and the climate around it. It's, it's a, it's a, I see it from a different level this movie it's not dystopian it's something that has already happened it's already taking it has already taken place so i i'm looking at it from a different lens so i'm sorry if i'm a little i'm a little off today but i'm I'm, i've been constantly thinking about how to present that to you but you'd have to just see it so in that movie take my word for it that's exactly what went down in the in that in that time period anyways so i'm going to jump to some articles i Sometimes I, I I mention that I get a lot of visitors from China, like listening to my podcast and stuff, and I'm not sure how that's possible considering China has such a crackdown uh, uh, monitoring their internet and things like that. And I'm talking like mainland China, not Hong Kong. But first, I want to do. Uh, should I talk about some? Yeah, let's let's get right to the the ridiculousness of this. Uh, I'm going to talk about the China stuff in a minute because there's a lot more to it. But I'm going to jump into, let's see, let's go right to the ridiculousness that's happening in our own country. Mm. By the way, if you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. All right. This is from KGW8. And let's see. We still on? Okay, good. We're at 43 minutes, so we're pushing through. This is by Pat Doris. Nor no urinals planned for newly remodeled Portland building. Now, now planned. This has already happened. This has already been taking place. The total remo- now Portland is a notoriously progressive town. Okay, and, all right. So no urinals planned. Urinals planned for newly remodeled Portland building. The total remodel cost will cost remodel will cost taxpayers one hundred and ninety five million dollars. A spokeswoman, spokeswoman said she did not have to break out 
she did not have a breakout on how much the bathroom work will cost. All right, that's just the freaking initial bulletin board material on this. All right, Portland, Oregon. The city of Portland did not include urinals in the remodeled Portland building. Urinals, for those who have never been in a men's bathroom, is a porcelain receptor, okay? Go, men go in, quick in and out, boom, done. Uses up less water, way less water than a stall, okay? And since you are trying to k- save money in a big city, okay, why the water is a big thing, okay? Especially nowadays, especially for progressives who care so much about the environment, okay? The total remodel will cost $195 million. All right. She also said no one from the city was available to talk about the banning of the urinals. In an email to employees last February, Chief Administrative Officer Tom Reinhart wrote, quote, we will continue to have a gender-specific male and female multi-stall restroom that are readily available to any employee that prefers to use one, but there will be no urinals in any restroom in this building. This will give us the flexibility we need for any future changes in signage. The city has redesigned all the bathrooms to be gender neutral, which means urinals are not even part of the men's room. Uh, and then let's see. Some obviously some commentators, you know, some conservative talk show hosts are flipping out. Uh, one guy, his name is Len- Lars Larson, says he thinks it's ridiculous. Uh, first of all, I know it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Secondly, it's going to take up a lot more space. And third, anyone who's ever been to a public event, have you seen the line to the ladies' room? Do you ever see a line to the men's room? He also argues that urinals use far less water than toilets. And that's actually true. That's actually very true, especially nowadays with the more efficient urinals. I can't believe I'm talking about freaking urinals on my podcast, but they do. They take up almost no water at this point compared to like a stall. All right. Uh, and then, let's see, this is the state buildings, or the city buildings, the city buildings, excuse me. The building's first, third, and 15 floors will have large multi-stall bathrooms that men and women will use together. Other floors will have separate men and women's bathrooms, but every floor will have at least one any gender bathroom. Overall, there will be 42 all-user stalls, as the city calls them, and 104 gender-specific stalls. Gender and bathroom use has been a big deal when it comes to those who are transgender or gender fluid, but the city has made no mention of that in an email to employees. The chief administrative officer wrote to employees, I am convinced that it is the right way to ensure that as your employer, remove arbitrary barriers in our community and provide leadership that is reflective of our shared values. Okay. So, (laughs) Jesus Christ. So you want to talk about being progressive and all that other stuff and all these gender-specific bathrooms, okay, fine. You're wasting money. Simple as that. You're wa- At the end of the day, you're remodeling something and you're wasting money. That's all you're doing. $195 million. Think about that. $195 million. You have any idea how much freaking money, how much money that is and what you could do with that money? Now, $195 million comes out of the taxpayers' pockets, okay? It doesn't come from anybody else. Those people are paying to have, the taxpayers are paying to have urinals removed from the men's rooms, okay? And then you're going to use more water, and that bill gets flipped to the taxpayers again. And if you want to be climate conscious and use less and be more water efficient, why the hell would you go and do this from a legit, just from a logical standpoint, from a logical standpoint? And I let's face it here. Women do not want to use the same 
bathroom as men. They don't. They don't. For whatever reasons, and I don't need to name them, women don't want to be in the same bathroom as men. They don't. And quite frankly, I don't want to be in the same bathroom as a woman. I don't. I there 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 are some things that just need to be remaining a mystery. They just do. Women, they spend. You realize when a woman is mad at you, she will go and sit in the bathroom for like an hour. That's an escape for them. I I don't you know. Don't get me wrong, it's weird, but it's it's them. They'll do that. They'll go and sit there and hide for like a half hour or whatever. I don't need to go in there after them. I don't need to knock on the door and ask them what they're doing. If they're dead in there, I'll still leave them alone. But to suggest that this is the right approach to make is absolutely ridiculous. $195 million just to promote these bullshit ideals. Because they're doing this so that they can make the next step. What is the next step, mind you? I'd really like to know your thoughts on the matter. That removing the urinals is the more efficient approach to whatever ideals you're pushing. And like I said, I'm trying to steer this culturally, not politically. Culturally, well, I'm just going to, I can literally just look at this from a logistical financial standpoint. You're spending $195 million to remove urinals and remodel these bathrooms. And the taxpayers have to flip that cost. And now you're using way more water. So, guess what? It's a stupid idea. The people who ordered it are stupid. This Tom Reinhardt guy, he's a fucking idiot. Chief Administrative Douchebag Tom Reinhardt, he's a fucking moron. Okay? And anybody else who thought it was a good good idea, you're a fucking idiot too. You're a fucking idiot too. You think it's perfectly fine to take that $195 million out of the taxpayers' pockets. When teachers aren't getting paid or cops aren't getting paid or or uh, public staff aren't getting paid enough or what at, or whomever or remodeling the parks or protecting journalists from getting their asses kicked in the streets when a fucking uh, organization is protesting but instead you just want to you want to remove the quick pissers from the men's bathroom all right that seems like a very great way to rattle your saber as a congressman or as a chief you're idiots all of you I don't know. I mean, I had a, I always have other thoughts on this, but the stupidity of this completely boggles my mind. So I feel sorry for anybody who, who lives in Portland who thinks this is a stupid idea, who now sees their paycheck getting depleted even more because of that. I wish you luck. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, I, <laughs> This one makes me laugh. South Park is up to its old, its old tricks again. And this couldn't come at a worse time. Because just a, about a week ago, Daryl Morey, who is the GM of the Houston Rockets NBA basketball team, China, China, uh, uh, the NBA has a huge market in China. Nike and all that stuff. You know, LeBron James, all that jazz. Well, you got, I, I've talked about the situation, or maybe I haven't, the situation in Hong Kong with the extradition law that China's putting into effect because Hong Kong is has its own government. But with the extradition law, they'd be able to take people out of Hong Kong, bring them back to mainland China. Well, Hong Kong is freaking the fuck out. You can go and look that up. But just look up Hong Kong protests. P- 
people. It is insane. The largest protests ever, ever, I think in the world, are taking place right now in Hong Kong. It's a shit show. And with, and there's a lot of people speaking out about it. One person is Daryl Morey, the GM of the Houston Rockets. While the NBA, trying to protect its assets in China, basically threw the hammer down, you know, stating that Daryl Morey does not speak for the NBA, does not speak for the Houston Rockets and all that other bullshit. While China being fucking children, and when I say China, I mean like the, the, the politics of it. You know, President Xi, who they claim looks like Winnie the Pooh and all that. And, all the, and plus, their, ver- their censorship laws are insane. They cut. They shut the hammer. They dropped the hammer on. The China's like, fine, we're gonna take our ball and go home. They started shutting off. Uh, you know, you can't watch NBA games there anymore. Cutting ties. The CBA, the Chinese Basketball League. It's a complete shit show. And then, and also now that Hollywood movies are placating to China and their audiences, so that they can get more money, because there's a lot of money in, to be made in China. So if a movie does terrible over here in the United States, it can still make a shitload of money. For example, the trans the, the uh, Transformer movies. Uh, four and five made a ton of money in China. And that's how they were able to recoup a lot of their losses was from the Chinese market. So those shitty movies, yeah, they make a ton over in China. So Hollywood writes to them, basically trying to write to get that audience to come on board. Well, there, the idea that the, this whole Hong Kong thing is out of control, well, South Park, who, you know, they haven't, Dropped, but even Family Guy has become a little more progressive. South Park does not give a shit. Uh, and then South Park, you could originally watch in China. You could actually watch South Park in China, but not anymore because South Park literally. This is from uh, the Hollywood Reporter. South Park scrubbed from Chinese internet after critical episode. Uh, where the hell's my article? This episode was called. This South Park episode was called "Banned in China," and it was a play on words. It was uh, B A N D. After the Banned in China episode mocked Hollywood for shaping its content to please Chinese gov- please the Chinese government, Beijing has responded by deleting all clips, episodes, and discussion of the Comedy Central show. South Park creators Trey Parker and Matt Stone probably saw this company and, to their credit, simply didn't care. And they never do. They don't, Matt and Trey Parker never apologize for the episodes that they write. The episode of South Park Band in China has been loading and generating loads of media attention for its sharp critique of the way Hollywood tends to shape its content to avoid offending the Chinese government censors in any way whatsoever. Now those very same government censors in the real world have lashed back at South Park by deleting virtually every clip, fucking ads, uh, every clip, episode, and online discussion of the show from the Chinese me- streaming services, social media, and even fan pages. A cursory perusal through Chinese highly regulated internet landscape shows the animated series conspicuously absent everywhere it recently had presence. Uh, let's see. Not a single mention through the Weibo media service through, has picked up Weibo's the Chinese media service. No South Park. Billions of past posts gone. Completely gone. The show just disappeared. So, yeah, the, the article goes on. Let's see, what is this? South Park on Twitter. You got to lower your ideals of freedom if you want to suck on the warm treatment of China, the warm teat of China. And here's the and here's the thing: this China is not has not been afraid recently to shut off communication or business cooperation with any American company they see fit. Airlines. 
sports teams, sports organizations, and they are they they want to talk about social justice and all the other bullshit that's happening over here. But when it comes to China, they all drop their pants for China, all of them, and any show of I mean, twi- uh, let's see, I think Twitch just did it. No, Blizzard Entertainment, which made like World of Warcraft. Any support for for Hong Kong, they just they disassociated themselves with them. They just fired somebody last week. Just dis I mean, it is it's a fucking mess. It's an absolute mess. But there are some people out there that still believe that you have the right to protest, you have the right to free speech, and you have the right to all that shit. South Park is one of them. I'm one of them. There's a lot of companies though that it's it's money. When it comes down to money, these companies cave. China has a lot of money. They do a lot of business in China. And China has not hesitated lately to basically turn the faucet off. They have it, they just don't hesitate. Um, and then here's the let's see, here's the rest of it. The NBA the episode's critique has proved especially timely in the light of the controversy now swirling around the NBA. Uh, on Sunday, Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Moore issued a tweet expressing his solidarity with Hong Kong's pro democracy protest pro democracy protesters. Just a single tweet. Uh, from one from one among hundreds of NBA executives, the message, the message sparked a deluge, a deluge of criticism in China, where the Hong Kong protests had become a hot button political issue, with Beijing propaganda apparatus going into overdrive to shape local opinion as the movement as anarchistic and untethered to legitimate political grievances. Chinese broadcasters announced they would stop airing Rockets games, and local sponsors pulled their funds from the team. Evidently. Fearing the financial implications of the Chinese backlash, the Rockets and NBA have since disavowed Morris' comments. They're so tight-lipped over there about this situation. I, I just... It's scary. And when I think about it, I have people that are going to my website all the time from China. I see the analytics. I don't know who's looking at it. I don't know if it's Chinese, if it's Chinese bots or if it's these people that control the control the internet over in China, or if it's actual people in mainland China who are looking at my content and listening to my podcasts. I don't know who these people are. I have no idea. I'd like for you to reach out. I'd like for you, if you can, if you are not scared to, reach out to me and let me know what your thoughts are on the matter and see if it, who, I'm, who is visiting my site. And then, and it's not what those people that are checking out my posing music. They're checking out old articles, my YouTube shit, my podcast, though, especially. Let me know what is going is what your thoughts are on the matter. I'm very curious to know. You know, I don't want to know too much about the politics. I get the point, but the cultural why? You know, give me an idea. Give me anything at this point. I, I'd love to know your thoughts on the matter. But. I mean, chances are that a lot of the companies that you love and you frequent all the time, even me, I love Delta. They caved to Chinese politics. Okay, they don't want to lose that money because China will absolutely drop the hammer on them because they have they control a lot of the electronics. They control uh, a lot of entertainment commerce when it comes to money. Back in the day, they didn't care. They make a Terminator 2 move. You know, Terminator 2 was $100 million movie. I don't think it aired in China. Didn't have the market for it back then. But the uh, Marvel Comics movies, yeah, they all have that 
you know, they all kind of cave to the Chinese market. I think that even the new Top Gun movie has kind of caved to the Chinese market a little bit. I'm not sure how much. I'm sure we'll find out in a few months when the movie drops. But I want to see, I want to know more. More, I want to know a list of the companies who haven't caved to the shit that China's trying to pull right now. A list of companies that have basically just said, fuck you, we don't care about your censorship of us or if you don't buy our products, we don't care. I'm just, I'm just curious. I want to know more about that. So if you guys could let me know what the situation is, why do you visit my website? I'm just, right now, this is, this actually was not a very funny podcast, but it wasn't really meant to me. I was, I just wanted to know more about what, who is caving to this, to this big market. I mean, there's billions of people there, but here's the thing. China does not give a shit about free speech. Like the Chinese government doesn't give a shit about free speech. They don't give a shit about the environment. They don't give a shit about copyright infringement. They just don't give a shit at all. Okay? They just keep tightening it, tightening up the news, tightening up the news, using, uh, they're, they're developing social currency, whereas right now we're trying to escape from it in very, in very many ways. People are kind of, they're deleting apps. They're going back to similar phone, uh, to older phones, simpler phones. They're kind of removing themselves from that environment because it's less depressing. Whereas China is using that to, to watch people and use, you know, who they're connected with and how they go walk through life as the currency of how you, you know, how you spend your money in China. It's very, very disturbing. Um, and like I said, I try to teeter tot. I, I try to walk the tight line of, I don't want to get, I don't want to get into politics. This is just a situation that's occurring because it's affecting how I watch movies. It's affecting the products that I buy, the people that I talk to, the companies that I purchase services and goods from. So it's it's kind of it's starting to filter its way through. Okay. And it also filters how I buy my products. Like I no longer really anytime I go on eBay, I mean, yeah, most likely I'm probably buying products that are from China, maybe. Maybe. But as far as shipping from China, no, I buy everything that's stationed in the US from now on. You know, so I am trying to practice what I preach, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I don't know if that makes any sense, but there's just a lot to it where any be any person being critical of China, any organization being critical of China, then China literally just shuts you off and deletes you from the internet as if you never existed. So I'm curious to know why I'm still getting so many hits from China from their servers and why. The thing is, though, if anybody was to send me a response or an email from China stating why, then would, would the government see what it is that they're sending? And would it affect their daily lives? And I wouldn't want that to happen. So I'm, I'm just I'm just curious. And when it comes to all that social justice shit, it's like fucking China has China has uh, internment camps and um, religious oppression and all that other kind of shit too. So I don't want to hear it. I really don't. When people complain about Saudi Arabia and Dubai and stuff like that, yeah, they're trying to open the world up to them. They're trying to move forward, allowing women to drive and stuff like that. At least they're at least Saudi Arabia in that area is kind of for all the terrible things that they do. 
they're opening up to the world. Okay? They're progressing into a more equal world. In many ways. Okay? Tourism is opening up. But China is tightening up. That's the difference between Saudi Arabia and that region, or at least a part of that region, than China. That's the difference. The Saudi area, the Dubai area, even though there's still a lot of religious and other things connected, believe me, I know about it, they're opening up. They're evolving. They They are progressing into a more acceptable society. Okay? Regardless of the money that came from, where the where their money's coming from, or what they're doing with it, or whatever, it is still opening up, and eventually those walls start to come down. Whereas China, not the case, not the case at all, going in the opposite direction, and that's why Hong Kong had hundreds of thousands and millions of protesters, and it it's a fucking riot every day, shutting down the Hong Kong airport, literally just blocking traffic. It's a nightmare. I feel bad for the cops having to do their job, and I feel bad for the protesters. My heart goes out to them. It really does. So I wish you guys luck. If anybody has the balls from China to actually send me an email or whatever and let me know what's going on because I see you guys pinging my server, let me know what's going on over there, okay? This is a weird episode. Uh, I mean, I talked about the Joker rather seriously, um, and then I talked about China and South Park and all that stuff. It's, it's weird. I don't know. Weird week. I don't know, maybe it's because it's getting close to the wintertime, and I haven't done many uh, YouTube episodes lately. And, of course, sadly, I'm kind of on a bummer note that the um, I was supposed to be going down to an event in Plum Island, but due to the shitty weather, they canceled the event. So, you know, no tiny airplanes for me. Not this weekend. So that's a bummer. So I guess I'll continue to work on the Rat Rod project uh, that I've been working on quietly behind the scenes, and uh, hopefully I'll debu- debut the you debut that to you in a month or so. So we are at one hour and five minutes. And uh, yeah, that's going to be weird. So I'm going to cut out the part where I had to figure out what the hell was going on with the live stream. And uh, yeah, I'll have this up. You can find me on, uh, I actually posted on facebook.com today, all the places where you can subscribe to the podcast. I mean, there's tons of them. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, uh, um, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Himalaya, Podcast Addict, from uh, PositiveSarcasm.com. You can find it in all kinds of crazy places. So feel free to listen, watch, and subscribe, rate, review, share. You can go to PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate, or you can find me on Venmo at PositiveSarcasm to support this entire platform. And um, once again, shout out to Blaze for the brand new monitor so I can see my big dumb face a little bit uh, a little bit easier than I previously could. And you can, of course, you can, uh, every, oh, and since it's episode 90, this is episode 90 of the podcast, uh, in episode 100, I'm thinking about possibly doing call, something called Sunday Leftovers. Sunday Leftovers will be, I'll be considering the articles from the previous podcast that didn't get read and reviewed. I will possibly do a Sunday Leftovers live stream podcast that won't be very long, probably be 10, 15 minutes tops, but it'll be uh, on top of the weekly episode and I'll drop it every Sunday night and it'll be the articles that I didn't have a chance to get to that I never read up and I'll basically just review those articles, give you my thoughts on it and then drop that out there. And it'll be, it probably won't be very long. It could be 10 minutes, it could be 15 minutes, it could be 30 minutes, I don't know. But I'm gonna, after episode 100, I'm gonna consider testing that out called Sunday Leftovers and uh, hopefully by early next, what, 10 weeks? So what, that's December? 
but December, January, you may, may start to see those. So, But those will be on the same channel, same platform, same way you normally get my podcast. Thank you to all the new subscribers that have been dropping dimes on the podcast. I appreciate all of you. Be sure to tell your friends. Um, and until next time, you can find me on twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one for the live stream. You can find me on facebook.com slash pos sarcasm for the live stream. And uh, I guess that's it for today. I will um, take my, I didn't get into a flow. I didn't get into a flow this week, but hey, you know what? That th- seems to happen. So until next time, this is Jay. Uh, thank you for listening, watching, subscribing. I will talk to you all next week. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation streaming live from Spare Parts Studios. To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.